Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Marvel Mania, the podcast where we talk anything and everything Marvel-related. I'm your host for today, Garrett Broder, and with me is my co-host, Brandon Janicki. So, as I'm sure you all know, Thor Love and Thunder has been released this past Friday, or Thursday night, however you want to look at it, and we are going to be talking about a synopsis of the movie, as well as later on, a spoiler version of the movie. That's right. So spoilers are in uh, full effect here. We'll be diving very deeply into the movie today. And then sometime next week, we'll be talking about the mid-credit scene and post-credit scene and what that could possibly mean for future Marvel projects as well as the future of Thor. But today we will just be reviewing Thor Love and Thunder, the movie itself. So to start off, a quick little synopsis on uh, Google here, which I actually thought was kind of funny. Uh, So In Thor Love and Thunder, Thor embarks on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced. And then dot dot dot, a quest for inner peace. As if that hasn't been his whole thing since day one, a quest for inner (laughs) peace. I feel like that has been his journey throughout like the last three Thor movies or whatever. It's like, gosh, Marvel, you shouldn't have a quest for inner peace. I mean, didn't way back in the first Thor, he kind of, he had his little character arc where he was like, I don't know, uh, really cocky and sassy about being a god and then he had to fully realize you know what it meant and the responsibility that it held and stuff like that oh yeah and then the rest of it was basically him trying to find inner peace and you feel like you kind of get some closure with that by the end of endgame but no here he is again anyway it continues by saying however is his retirement which is not really a retirement gets interrupted by gore the god butcher a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods that is basically what Thor Love and Thunder is all about, ladies and gentlemen. It currently has a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes and oh, a 7 out of 10. Yeah, it went down a little bit. It has slowly been declining. And a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. That being said, we will now dive into our thoughts, the main course of this podcast, the thoughts about Thor Love and Thunder. And overall, it wasn't a horrible experience neither was it a horrible movie i definitely unlike dr strange unlike dr strange in the multiverse of madness i actually had a very fun time watching this movie it was very fun very enjoyable and i will say taika watiti is a very gifted comedic writer he knows how to make you laugh at least i did i found myself laughing and enjoying some of the jokes and having a good time but it's definitely more than obvious that he spent much more time making these jokes than he did making a compelling, script. yeah, just a script in general, making oh. a story overall. Because, yeah, this, oh, jeez. It was a mess. It yeah. was all over the place. There was no, like, Gore, the God Butcher, not nearly as compelling as he could have been. No, yeah. In my they, opinion. I thought Christian Bale did an amazing job with him, but. Yes, yeah. Uh, we will start by talking uh, about the good here. We'll go through the good, the bad, and the ugly of what we think of each, although I think our good list is going to be uh, very kept short. But I will start by saying the movie kept a very brisk and easy-to-watch pace, which um, I know it sounds kind of like kind of stupid, kind of dumb, and not very important, but that's the thing in movies that you know really makes the experience good or bad sometimes. You don't want to be watching a movie that feels like it's dragging on you know, forever oh, no, and it's for going sure. so slow. So I will say... As horrible as the script was and as badly written as it was, at least the movie itself kept a very easy-to-watch pace. I never felt bored once. I mean, in Doctor- no, I, I agree with that for yeah, sure. Yeah. No, never once did I feel bored watching this. Again, in Doctor Strange, I just was 
miserable. I was completely oh, miserable, and I wanted this to end as soon as possible. At least with Thor, I mean, I kept hoping that it would soon get better and it would soon take itself seriously, but it never really did. But at least I never felt bored. The jokes were always entertaining. Chris Hemsworth is always very entertaining to watch as oh, yeah. Thor. You can tell he's very comfortable in the role now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I personally like Doctor Strange a lot more than I like Thor. I thought this movie really? was pretty. It was it was funny. It was witty. It was um, it was fun to. I do agree with you. It was a very fun script to watch. I guess we're going over the good, so I should probably wait a second. But um, yeah, I, I did like the movie. I thought Christian Bale as Gore did an amazing job, as I mentioned earlier. Yes, he uh, did. Definitely he was definitely it. he was definitely the highlight of the movie for sure. Um, I think that with his character, there should not have been as many jokes as there was, but I thought the jokes were all funny. I thought they're all, um, timed mostly well, mostly, mostly well. Yeah. Not, not entirely. I mean, it, it came sort of, it became, started to become predictable when you could tell a joke was going to come up. Cause it almost seemed, seemed like every scene was set up that way to the point where we started off a little bit serious and then there'd be a little bit of banter until we eventually reach some sort of joke. And a lot of them worked. Some of them did it. But mm. as I was saying before, which brings me into my next somewhat positive, is that Taika is a very extremely gifted comedy writer. He definitely knows how to make the audience laugh for the most part. Uh, he incorporates a lot of uh, pop culture from other uh, media into his movies. Uh, for example, there's actually a Game of Thrones reference in Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, I didn't you know were, that. Oh, you didn't see that one? No, I didn't. This was, um, and again, spoilers are in effect here. This was... um. When Thor and the gang, they go and visit uh, Zeus and the other gods, and the uh, they're showing like all the other gods in the stadium, and then there was like a giant, I kid you not, a literal Iron Throne chair, or an Iron Throne throne in the audience, and I don't remember who or what was sitting in it exactly, but it's so obvious it was supposed to be the Iron Throne. I think there were like knives and like pans and other utensils sticking out of it. I didn't even notice that, but, no. Oh yeah, it was actually kind of clever, and even that made me uh, made me chuckle. So he's he's good at little things like that, and he's good at this, you know, these fun banter moments, but a movie can't just be all, you know, comedy, at least when it's a Marvel movie, it can't be all comedy. If he wants to go out and he wants to make, you know, some sort of rom-com or he wants to make a full comedic movie... I highly recommend he goes and does that because I think I'd have a much better time than I did with uh, Thor. Uh, but nonetheless, he is very funny. Um, I think the jokes were a little bit better in Ragnarok because they were... They weren't as forced. They weren't as forced, yes. That's a good word for it. They weren't as forced. They were more evenly spaced out. Um, and then I, I think it was also much funnier in his movie uh, Jojo Rabbit, uh, which is a really uh, great uh, comedy movie. Um, both of those probably, like you said, uh, were better spaced out and they were set up a little bit better thor love and thunder kind of had like more some dumb jokes but it still had me entertained nonetheless that's true yeah i could see that uh and like you said christian bale uh absolutely he carried the film in terms of acting i mean he was just heads and shoulders above everyone else in that cast oh no for sure for sure yeah 110 percent i love chris hemsworth he did an amazing job like oh yeah the whole cast did an amazing job nally portman um chris hemsworth Christian Bale, they all did fantastic. Yeah. It I, was just Christian Bale has so much more experience that he actually carried the movie. I don't yes. know if he's got more experience, but he just, for his character, he was by far the best. I think he probably does have more experience because he's been acting since he was uh, very young in a few movies. So yeah, I but think so is Natalie Portman. That so. definitely helps. That's true. I guess she has been, yeah, acting for a while too. Natalie Portman, though, we've definitely seen her in better roles. I don't think, she's definitely a great actress, there's no doubt about that. I mean, um, we've seen her in um, Black Swan, for example, where she was excellent in. 
Oh, yeah. Um, v for Vendetta was another great movie. I, she might have even won an Oscar for uh, Black Swan or something. V for something. Vendetta, um, Robert Downey Jr. is also in, which is kind of funny. He is? Yeah. Who did he play in V for Vendetta? I'm blanking on who he played, but he's in it. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Um, anyway, she's a great actress, but she doesn't... And this is even back during the original Thor movies. I never really felt like she fit Jane Foster perfectly. She never really felt like she wanted to be there in the first place. Like her, her heart was never in it as much as Chris Hemsworth was when it came to Thor. And she doesn't quite fit the, you know, uh, very lighthearted, quirky, comedic, you know, um, type, uh, type vibes that Marvel usually has. Like she's a really good dramatic actor as in, as is Christian Bale, oh, which yeah. is why it's very, you know, they're kind of out of their element in a movie like this. Whereas Christian Bale, he brought the, you know, much more serious tone that this movie desperately needed. Uh, Natalie Portman didn't really get to do that. I feel like her character just, you know, she had to learn how to tell these jokes in a somewhat humorous manner. And that's all she really uh, got to do. Whereas Chris Hemsworth, you know, he shines at that and he shines at his comedic timing. Natalie Portman didn't get to uh, do that. And we'll but, talk more about her character in a couple minutes when we get to the bad because I feel like her backstory was heavily underwhelming and poorly written in this film. Oh, I liked it personally. I thought that uh, that's another thing I did like about it is the banter between uh, her and Thor and their love for each other from like the in between time between. Um, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, not Love and Thunder, Thor, uh, The Dark World and Civil War or, uh, whatever movie she was, whatever movies they, that he got broken up with. Um, yeah. I thought it was a very good measurement of what happens, um, uh, between the two of them. So I thought, I thought that played out really well. Um, her backstory could have been a little better. I do agree. But I thought like what happened between the two of them made a lot of sense. It made, it was fun to watch, like. I per- and there was a lot of drama behind that, which I preferred, which I liked about it. There was there was some drama here and there. I, I wish they would. It felt more like, and and again, I guess Taika really should be making an actual rom com film. But their whole relationship felt like a little bit of a rom com when they had all those flashbacks and you know they they started arguing just because. I kid I kid you not. I think it was uh, Korg who does a lot of narrating in this film. Oh my goodness. Probably just so Taika can get more of his uh, his screen time or more of his voice in the movie. But um, Korg does a lot of narrating, and it, uh, for like at least three or four minutes, he's narrating about um, the love story or the background between Jane and Thor, um, because we didn't get to see any of that, which we should have seen that back in like the Dark World or something like that way back in 2013. But he's talking about how like they both got busy, and then they kind of just went their separate ways because of lack of communication. I'm like, oh, that's really, that's a really sad excuse. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I do see that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they could have done much better with that. Just they got, you know, saying they got busy. That's like putting it in the lightest, simplest terms possible just so you can get to the next joke or the next scene. And that happens a lot in this movie. Before we get on to the actual bad, there was a couple more things I feel I should mention. Uh, I will say that the fight scenes were actually very intense and very well choreographed. Um, Thor and Gore, Thor and Gore had two uh, fight scenes together. Both were actually really cool to watch and really entertaining, uh, especially when you had, you know, Thor wielding Stormbreaker and Gore wielding the Necro Sword. That was actually really cool. And then, um, as expected, this film had an awesome 80s soundtrack to go with it, especially with um, uh, a lot of um, Guns N' Roses thrown oh, in yeah. there, uh, Sweet Child of Mine and uh, Welcome to the Jungle. 
uh, were two of my personal favorites. So yeah, the soundtrack was soundtrack very was cool. incredible, absolutely That's incredible. Great. It reminded me a lot of the Guardians in a sense. Yes, where it's like yes. old school like classic rock vibes. It definitely felt like they could be a part of um, Star Lord's uh, playlist or something like that. Oh no, for soundtrack. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did have the Guardians in the movie, which they did. They didn't really do much, which I did. That's one of the bad. I will admit. Well, I don't know if I would classify that so much as a bad. I always expected them to be in the film for no more than twenty minutes, and that is what happened. Um, I mean, they were definitely fun to watch while they were in there. They didn't really do a whole lot. Some of them, that's why I didn't like about it. Yeah, some of them didn't even have a line. But personally, I expected that because you know it's not a Guardians film, and with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three coming out next year. I figured that there was going to be some kind of distress call or distress beacon that would make them go on their own separate adventure. Sure enough, Taika does exactly that. There's a, like some sort of distress beacon that pops up, and uh, the Guardians decide to go take care of that. Well, Thor has his own mission that he goes on. So we see him for about 20 minutes for a little bit of fun banter and a fun, you know, just uh, very cheesy battle at the beginning, which is a fun opener, and then they do head off on their own adventure. But very true. we will see more of them uh, next year. So... That pretty much sums up all the good for me. I mean, that's enough to make it a watchable and fun movie. But as you can see, as we head into the bad, there's just a lot of problems going on with the script and with the plot here. And it is just not very well played out. No, I agree. I think the biggest flaw of this movie was the script. Um, That, like, bad comedic timing is at sometimes. Um, and just weird... Um, just like like weird scenarios uh of what it like just what the movie could have been um like acting wise they just miss on a lot of things yeah no they definitely they could have had uh so much more and they could have taken a lot more from the uh comics so going back to um uh, uh Jane Foster for example um in the uh very beginning of this movie we find out that her character has uh cancer in a very unnatural sort of way we just see her um getting her basically her chemotherapy i believe it was uh just right off the bat i mean there's no introduction to his char- her character there's no backstory whatsoever we just see her um getting a screening and then she has chemo and then they start talking about the cancer so it is thrown in there right away and they fully expect you to have read the comics to that's true to know that which i, I guess most people probably kind of did know that but they could have actually utilized that much more and made it a much more serious deal because as everyone knows you know cancer is a very serious thing and she's on like stage four or something like that yeah it was stage four and they don't really they touch on that so what happens is that we find out that she get it she gets it she's very depressed so she decides to go to new asgard to possibly see thor or someone else and seek their counsel about it they don't really make that clear and then she sees mjolnir or the pieces left over uh, of mjolnir in a display case in like the center of asgard and as she approaches this display case, we see the pieces of Mjolnir start to levitate and become attracted to her, proving that she is worthy, or somehow worthy. We then, 10 to 15 minutes later, go from that scene where we, we see that she might be worthy or that she's somewhat worthy. We go from that scene to her absolutely kicking ass in a battle where she just kind of hops in to the middle of the battle in Asgard. Uh, when Gore makes his first strike and he like captures the children or whatever, but anyway, she um yeah, there was there was no like what happened. There was no in between there. Yeah, it was a huge huge jump and it was very poorly done. We go from her possibly being worthy to her wielding Mjolnir and having the full costume, 
fighting the villains, and it seems like the uh, villagers of Asgard, they even already know her, too. She literally hops right into the battle with Thor and Valkyrie, and the citizens of Asgard, they start cheering as if they already know her. So it seems like we skipped at least, like, a week's worth of what happened to her character no, here. No, for sure. We jump from that right to that, and it's like, uh, okay. And Thor is literally just as confused as we are. He's like, Jane? what? Ha- where'd you come from? And what happened to you? And she's just like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm here to, you know, save you guys now. And it's like, okay, come on. Yeah, we need a little bit no- more. There was nothing there. And yeah. that, that really did bother me throughout the movie. I'm like, where? what happened? Like, what happened? I'd never read the Thor comics, so just like... Seeing her magically appear as Thor, I'm like, okay, I get that. And they do explain a little later that he's that uh, Mjolnir is supposed to protect her. Yes, um, when uh, Korg starts um, going narrating, th- again. narrating again, yes, yeah. and he goes through that whole backstory. And again, this is just like a huge info dump, and it's kind of retconning a few things that we believe happened in the past. Um, but basically, he explains uh, for the audience that um, uh, way back in Thor and Jane were when they were dating. Thor basically makes sort of a promise, or he he makes Mjolnir as if it was like a living, breathing thing. Promise that Mjolnir will always look after um, Jane, no matter what happens to her. He makes a little promise, and then we see like the hammer start to glow to you know know that it receives the message or whatever. Yeah. And then all these years later, when Jane is finally looks like she's gonna die, the hammer finally does its purpose and saves her. Except at the same time, it's killing her. It's killing her. Yeah. yeah. And I've never, even when the film was done, I never understood that. It's like the hammer is currently saving her by making her mighty Thor. But as soon as she no longer is wielding the power of Mjolnir, she goes back to being like sick, decrepit Jane Foster, and it looks like she's gonna die soon. I think it's because it's, it's talking about something about it's draining her power from her, or like her energy, her life energy. But mm-hmm. and I could kind of see that because you know that's a lot of energy to put out with Mjolnir. But if it's healing you at that time, you should be fine. Like there's no reason for you to have your energy drained if it if at the moment is giving you life. Right. Yeah, that it, that makes no sense whatsoever. It, it's like it's saving her, but it's also killing her at the same time. It, it is a very weird concept. And again, they could have explored that a little bit more. But another big problem with this film is that they decide to devote most of their time. And a lot of people when this film came out, they were like, oh, my gosh, it's only two hours. You know, that's not going to be enough time for everything to happen, because, you know, usually Marvel films are like at least two and a half hours long. But here's the deal. <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, two hours is more than enough time to tell a well-written and compelling story with great character arcs. That is For more sure. than enough time. I mean, we've seen movies that are out, like an hour and a half long or an hour and 40 minutes that are, you know, a good amount of time, an ample amount of time to tell a good story. So two hours is more than enough. The running time is not the problem. It's how they decide to spend their time with this movie. And they decide to spend most of their time setting up, you know, jokes and basically narration and telling stories and Korg narrating a bunch of crap instead of them actually telling a good story. So. No, I agree. That was the one thing I've really, that's the thing I'm going to keep going back to. It was super cheesy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the narration, it took up at least 10 minutes of the time, just total of total yeah. narration. Oh was yeah. So yeah. dumb. And, um, there's a couple of things core was talking, uh, was talking about just, wasn't didn't hit right with me um like but i'm I'm not gonna go into that but it was kind of weird just like how he narrated it and like his life what happens uh like no one cares um no one re- like no one really cared about new asgard at the time like 
Mm. It like who cares what happened? Like it turned into an amusement park. Done. That's it. You don't need to narrate the whole thing. It really did. Yeah, Asgard really did turn into an amusement park, didn't it? I mean, there's like a lot, it looks like a, I couldn't even tell who the um the Asgardians were and the normal people were because no, there were exactly. people like taking a tour there, looking at you know Mjolnir and uh, looking at. Uh, but I think they even had like they had a, rides they there. Had a ship they had ride. a ship there. Yeah, they yeah, had a ship there. Uh, with a couple of their actual Asgardian ships. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's become like one big tourist trap. And again, it's just all treated as a joke. And I, I guess, I mean, I, I always expected that with Taika because, you know, he likes his films to be very lighthearted and, and fun. But you have to take it seriously at least sometimes, which brings me into our next point of uh, Gore the God Butcher, who we touched on uh, a little bit before. But my God, was he heavily underutilized. Oh, I agree. Yeah. To the, For sure. It was ridiculous. For your main antagonist, who was this much of a threat, or at least they keep saying he's a big threat them about throughout the movie. They keep saying that he has killed all these gods and that he's an absolute menace and that he's you, out you to destroy them. You saw him kill them. two gods. Yeah, two gods. Yeah, if that. We saw him kill maybe two gods. And he has sort of the same problem with Jane Foster, where his backstory is not fleshed out enough either. And I don't really know everything that happened uh, with Jane in the comics, but I did do a lot of research about Gore, and I wanted to see what his backstory was. And in the comics, it is extremely fascinating and very well done. And the movie only does the absolute bare minimum of that. And this happens with a lot of things. This happens with Jane. This happens with the uh, just the plot itself, uh, with the explanation. They only do the Mjolnir. bare minimum. Yeah, the absolute bare minimum with everything. And Gore gets it the worst because in the comics, it is very fascinating. So um, Gore himself actually isn't his name. Gore is actually the name of his species. That's the kind of people that they are. They're called the Gores. Yeah. His name is not gore itself nobody knows what his name is but they only call him gore because uh he's the very last one he's the last one of his race no oh, exactly and for the longest time his species was uh thriving and they were doing quite well and they were um really doing good for themselves and the gods were protecting them but then when christian bale's gore i i, I know his actual name's not gonna gore but i'm called gore but i'm just gonna call him gore for the sake of the uh sake of the explanation so when gore himself was born into the tribe of gores for some reason that is never even explained in the comics the gods start to abandon them they start to forget about their race and what was once a thriving people was now getting hit by uh plagues and uh the many different manners of creatures and tribes were attacking them and death and decay was happening and nobody really knew why but all they realized, or all they knew, is that as soon as Gore was born, Christian Bale's character, that the gods started to abandon them. So once the, the Gores finally got down to like, you know, 50 people or something like that, they eventually banished Gore, who by this time was, you know, almost a full-fledged adult. They banished him and his daughter uh, into exile. And that that is finally where the movie begins. So the movie skips all of that. We finally see Gore and his daughter in the desert after they get exiled his daughter eventually does die which is basically like the nail in the coffin and that makes gore just give up on everything and then he eventually finds that god finds the necrosword and he uh takes a vow to kill all the gods that have abandoned him and his people for the rest of his life and eternity that is some very fascinating stuff that we get to see maybe an eighth of that not even an eighth not honestly. even an eighth yeah it was so bad in him killing the god was so there was nothing to it, absolutely nothing to it. Like he was there for maybe like it was a two minute, maybe three minute interaction between him and the killing the first god, and that was it. 
Yeah, that was it. There was the community saw him get the necro sword, kill him, and done. That's it. Yeah, and then he got maybe eight minutes of screen time total, if that. I mean, th- there was next to nothing. What well, could have been a very fleshed out, uh, very emotional, gripping, and um, you know, a very new and exciting uh, backstory and motivation it ends up being just again the bare minimum. Now, when I will say, when Gore was on screen, when he was on screen. It was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, Christian Bale, he got to harness his um his Patrick Bateman again. I mean, he actually got to be, you know, insane and crazy and he had like a really scary and creepy laugh and he looked incredible. He looks absolutely terrifying and he had a huge screen presence and thankfully Gore himself didn't make any jokes, but of course there were jokes being made about Gore like uh, later in the film, Gore approaches Thor and asks him where um the where Stormbreaker is at, or to summon Stormbreaker because he needs him for part of the plot. And mm-hmm. then Thor says something like, "I'll give you Stormbreaker when you call a dentist or you know fix your yeah, teeth." Yeah, no, or that was like. so stupid. I was like, "Oh come on, can't we at least save the jokes for when Gore isn't on screen?" Like, yeah, just take a quick break, please. But no, we couldn't even we couldn't even do that. No, it was really it was almost embarrassing to see like not to see him. But to see how they treated him in the movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. How Just how the movie, yeah, treated him. And then at the end, of course, they had to, you know, after after he supposedly killed all these gods and was made out to be this huge menace and this huge threat to everyone, at the very end of the movie, he, of course, had to have a little redemption arc, which is not what happens in the comics. He, stay, he stays bad until the end. But in this movie, um, which I guess we should kind of explain what his motivation is anyway, so... Uh, unlike the comics where he just goes around massacring gods with a necrosword, in this movie, he is looking for something called the Eternity, which is basically, in simpler terms, a giant wishing well, which whoever the first person to reach the Eternity is, they get to make whatever wish they want, which could have really been handy back when Thanos was a thing, if you think about it. Yeah. That could have been really handy, and they could have just killed off Thanos that way, but no, nobody knew about that until Gore brings it up, so... He currently, his whole plan is to, well, near the beginning, he goes to Asgard. He captures some kids for some reason. He brings the kids. It's supposed to be bait. That's what it was. It's supposed to be bait, but the bait was a greater means to get Stormbreaker. And if you're asking, honestly, Gore could have just fought Thor. Eventually, he's strong enough with the Necrosword to where he could have beat him a little bit. If he just tried hard enough, he could have pried Stormbreaker from Thor's hand. And there you go. Movie over. Because he needs Stormbreaker for some reason to open up the Bifrost, which will then lead him to the Eternity. Anyway, after a lot of stuff happens, he eventually does get his hand on Stormbreaker after a really cool fight in the Shadow World. He gets Stormbreaker, he goes to the Eternity, and he's about to make the wish, but then Thor and the rest of the kids, who just will not leave this movie, I swear, Gore Gore captures the kids, and the kids remain in this movie for the rest of this movie, and it is so irritating and so childish that they do that. And in fact, in the final battle, uh, Thor even, he somehow, like, uses the power of the gods, and he, like, is able to inject his lightning power into the kids so he creates like an army of mini thors that was so stupid. that was so stupid that is when i that rolled. was the, that was so cheesy oh my gosh yeah that was that's when i officially checked out of this movie i mean despite many of the jokes earlier i was still on board for the most part but when he when he took his lightning power put it in those kids and then he had these small infant children fighting these uh, demons that Gore conjured up, I was like, all right, yeah, that's it. There's no coming back from this. And you know kids can't die in movies, so... Oh, no. Well, actually, that's a, that's a good point you make, because um, that kind of brings me to the next point, which 
Um, anyway, what happens with Gore is, long story short, he gets to the eternity. He's about to make the wish that all gods die. And Thor says, wait, you could do that. But what you really are is you're really actually sad and you just want your daughter back. So how about you wish for your daughter to be back instead? Long story short, they embarrass Gore. They have him wish for his daughter back. Gore dies. And now Thor is hanging out with Gore's daughter for some reason. Yes. I. Well, he did say protect her. And, he, and then when he lost Jane Foster, he lost like the love of his life pretty much. Yeah. Um, so he needs something else to live for. And that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's that supposed part, to be. I, liked, I did like that part. That was... Like, I didn't like how, how they treated Gore, but I did like how they treated um the the infant child and Thor's relationship with her. Um, yeah, it was an it was a nice moment, I guess, but I I'm trying to figure out what they're gonna do with her in the future. Like, what what role is she gonna play? I mean, it, it feels like now they're just pinning either giving Thor these new characters to hang out with, like you know. First, it was uh, Gore and Valkyrie, and then in Infinity War, they gave him the Guardians to hang out with, and in Endgame, it was the Guardians, too, and now they're giving him Gore. Like, they keep giving him this, these these new characters. He can't really have his own, you know, own mission anymore. But getting back to you, what, what you said about the, um, the children not being able to die, that is another huge problem in this movie as a whole. Nobody can die. Even when it seems like they are going to die, nobody can die. In fact, I think every single character got stabbed or shot or supposedly killed somehow in this movie. Looking back, there was that battle in the arena um, uh, where the gods were at, and Korg, I honestly, I thought Korg actually died. Zeus threw a lightning bolt at Korg, bam, he got destroyed. I was like, oh my gosh, this movie can actually take itself seriously. You know, I can't believe they did that. Respect to Taika for, you know, killing off his own character. Oh no, he's still alive. His face is fine. So then Valkyrie straps his face in the back of her head like it's C-3PO on the back of Chewbacca and the Empire yeah, Strikes so Back. Stupid. That was dumb. Then you think Zeus dies because, believe it or not, Thor actually tries to kill Zeus. And then you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to have huge ramifications um, in the future. You know, what, what's going to happen here? And then we find out later, oh, Zeus didn't actually die. That can't happen. And then uh, Valkyrie gets stabbed by Gore. Oh, no, she's, she's fine. She's fine. Nothing happened there. She goes to a hospital and, and she's fine. The only person that technically dies although we will get more into this next week uh and again huge spoiler is jane foster at the end she technically and gore does, and gore and gore yes gore does die that's true gore does die jane technically dies but we will dive more into that uh next week but there are so many fake out deaths in this movie i mean korg valkyrie uh zeus um I'm not sure if Thor had one. I feel like he no, he did. It. He was stabbed by the Necro Sword. He as was well. stabbed by the Necro Sword in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, near the beginning. Yeah. So four different fake out deaths. This movie again could not take itself seriously. And, kid, and kids are not allowed to be killed in movies. That's just like something that um is like a known rule in all movies. In all wh- movies. What? Yeah, kids can't die unless it's like like they're just not allowed to die in movies. It's a really weird thing. If you look it up, you can look it up, but it's it's a thing. Uh, I, I, I strongly believe what you're saying in terms of Marvel movies because of how childish they are. But I think it's all movies. Unless it's, yeah, I think it's all movies. You, you can't kill off a kid. If you think of like, Batman, there's a bunch of kids who should have died. You think of... like, But not just talking about comic book movies here. No, I'm talking about everything. Um... This just says, because, you know, we're including the horror genre here, too. Yeah. No, I know. And I'm trying to. People die in movies all the time, or at least they should. That's part of the story. But it says, but it's rare for a movie to kill a kid. That's right. Okay, it's rare. But either way, 
even in horror movies, they don't often die. I think there was like it's like a hidden rule or like an an un, not unknown. It's like a hidden rule that you're like not supposed to kid kill a kid because whatever reason. I mean, probably just the violence of it all. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I would agree with what um, what is this web's um, uh, moviefacts.com or whatever this is. Um, yeah, it's rare that you'll kill a kid. Not impossible, because I know there's probably been you know plenty of movies now that have killed a kid. But it, it's still it, it's a rare thing, and there's no way that Marvel is gonna do that. I mean, they would get a bunch of angry Karens who are furious about that. And not only that, they probably have to up their rating to an R rating if they actually did that, depending on how violent. Oh no, it for was. sure, for sure. So that wouldn't work out well for them. But in the case of this movie, these are full fledged adults that still. I mean, it, it's like. It's like they wanted the shock of a character dying to be there, but they didn't want to deal with the actual consequences. No, it was really annoying, I guess you would say. Yeah. To say the very least. All right, I think that's all I got. Do you have anything else? Actually, I do have one more thing. Yes, oh, yeah, one more I've, thing. Um, oh, rating. Yes. yes. Well, no, besides that, there's one more thing I wanted to say, which this has been going. This is actually something I heard the other day, um, which I found very interesting. So uh, another thing I noticed about this movie is that it looked very cheap in some instances. It, oh, it, yeah. It did not look completed and then i wrote a side note here asking if, if the uh, vfx department is okay this is a couple days ago uh before we just recently got this article being released about uh recent vfx and editors who have worked for marvel saying that they are the worst client to work for ever this wow. article just came out a day or two ago and it's starting to explain what has been happening in thor and these tv shows because what has been coming quite apparent in marvel especially in phase four is that they want quantity over quality. Oh, yeah. They want more of this and more of that, more shows, uh, more movies coming out as soon as possible. They don't care what the end result is as long as they get them out because they know, they know at this point, people will come to see them either way. They know people will come to see them because they're afraid that they're going to miss out. They don't want any spoilers. Although I think some people are starting to realize they don't have to come and see all the movies, but they're still getting the money they need to be at the top of the box office. And because of that, they're cutting corners. They're cutting a lot of corners here and there. And they are putting an, a bunch of stress, an ample amount of stress on these VFX designers to the point where they are actually making them quit. And I think in the article it said five of them quit within the last week. And they actually spoke out against Marvel saying what a horrible client they are to work for and how they push their uh, their people to the bone. And they, uh, they're actually making them cut corners, which, you know, they, they don't want to do that. They want to make a good film. Yeah. But the... Um, uh, you know, heads of the heads of Marvel CEO, they, they don't care if they just want more money. So they're going to put it out there as fast as possible. And they're pushing these people to their absolute limits to do that. And they're actually threatening to fire people in the process. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's almost like they might as well quit if you're, they're threatening you to quit and you're, you know, pushing yourself to the limit. You might as well quit anyway. So, yeah, there are people coming out against Marvel now. And I think they're going to really have to change their ways if they're going to keep both their um, uh, both their employees and their fans around because oh, it's yeah, becoming no. a really uh, apparent this, problem. CGI has just been, looks so cheap at the times. Yeah, it, it does to the point where people are uh, comparing it to like the original Marvel films, like the first Iron Man, oh, and the yeah. first Captain America, and their CGI looks better. And these came back out in like 2008, 2011. But again, that's when it felt like they actually cared. Now, again, it's all about the quantity over quality. They would rather, apparently they'd rather have three or four mediocre movies every year than one really good, really memorable 
Marvel movie that people will be talking about for months. No, exactly. The only one that I thought was good was Spider-Man. Even then, it had some terrible CGI. Yeah. Like, Andrew Garfield saving uh, Zendaya, uh, MJ. Yeah, That was awful. Yes. But yeah. That's a side note, but yeah. I do agree. It's it's gotten really bad. Yeah. There was also a uh, uh, side discussion I had talking about um kind of the similarities um with um Sam Raimi and Taika Waititi directing a Marvel film and just how that kind of gets in the way. But I think we can save that until uh next week cuz I believe we pretty much covered everything we wanted to talk about about this film. Yeah. So what would you rate the film? Um I have been, five stars. Yes, I've been going back and forth for the last several days deciding between a 2.5 or a three. It's definitely somewhere in the middle because, as I said before, it's not a horrible film. I did not feel depressed and like I wanted to kill myself the way I watched Doctor Strange. I was actually having a fun time. Uh, I enjoyed myself, but that still doesn't make it a good film overall. I was kind of juggling back and forth, but I, I will probably go see it again this weekend. And that's another thing that shows that it's really it's really not a horrible film because if I will go see it again, that means there are some good things to see about uh, you know, there's some um positives about the film. But the more I think about it, the more it just doesn't sit well with me. So I think I'm going to have to go with a 2.5, but I will give you my definite score next week after I watch it again cuz right. I think that'll definitely that'll definitely tell me whether It'll I like it or change whether your feel your feelings about yeah, it. Yeah, but right by right now it's either a 2.5 or a 3. No, for me, I'm going to have to say a two. Oh, wow. Uh, I hated the script. I thought gore... Actually, rephrase that. I hated the cheesiness of it. I thought the script wasn't terrible. Uh, There's some good things about it. There's some bad things about it. But it was just way too cheesy for my liking, especially even for a Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, after seeing Doctor Strange and how much I loved like the... The horror-ish aspect of it. Not really horror, but like I thought you didn't scenes. like the horror when we were talking about it. Wasn't no, I didn't like the zombie thing about it. Oh. That was the one thing I didn't like about it. And not because I don't like zombies. It's because it was just stupid. Uh, but everything else about Doctor Strange I loved. Like, even like the brutal deaths of Cap- or yeah, Captain Carter, all that. But when it comes to Thor, I was like, there is nothing that was really... Besides Christian Bale as gore, nothing really stood out to me in this movie. I think the I think the main reason, the more I think about it, of why I actually prefer Thor to Doctor Strange is it comes down to just the, um, the characters themselves and how fun they are to watch and, and the uh, com- uh, the camaraderie between the characters and you know their uh, their banter. Um, now, granted, Thor is still very cheesy and it couldn't take itself seriously, but at least the characters were fun to watch. Doctor Strange, I mean, he's always been a lot more he he's had good banter with iron man but the relationship between him and america chavez was just oh my god that was bad so stupid yeah she's never even met this guy they're with each other for a few hours and then he's willing to lay down his life for her at the very end america chavez was so annoying i still think her name is ridiculously stupid uh she's way too powerful um yeah way too op um she doesn't really she's just very stupid and very naive and then dr strange kind of has to look after her and you know in the, in the meantime america likes to make her look stupid um because dr strange apparently doesn't know as anything about the multiverse compared to her uh and then comparing villains gore is way better than wanda and oh like, yeah uh, wanda That's true. i do hope wanda stayed dead because i am so done with her i liked her back when age of ultron came out but i i am so done with her now I think that was ridiculous, and yeah, most of the movie, again, filled with plot holes and plot devices, whereas Thor, I, I guess the Necrosword and the Eternity were kind of plot devices and things like that, but at least they were cool plot devices. Like, I kind of want to own a, ne- a Necrosword now, if I'm being honest, because that looks freaking awesome. That is awesome. true. 
<laughs> no, the one the thing I did like about the thing I liked about Doctor Strange is just it wasn't cheesy. Like for the most part, besides the zombie part, like mm, I said, mm-hmm. it wasn't cheesy. It was it seemed like an actual movie, a standalone movie in a sense. Um, the multiverse made it a little different, but Thor just did. I did not like it. <laughs> like I said, I said that was so good. I'm like, wait, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, not so, even a little bit. Yeah, but that's my rating is a two, and you're I mean, you said it's a two point five. I'll give it two point five. Uh, we'll see what happens next week, but I think it's going to remain at a two point five. It's uh, it's right in the middle. It's a good time, bad movie. Yeah, I can see that. All right, well, that's everything I have. You all set? Uh, that's, yeah, everything I have to say today. Next week, we will be diving into, of course, the mid credit scene and the post credit scene, uh, which reveal a lot about what's going to happen to Thor's character and gives us a possibly new um, a Disney Plus show to be watching. Most um, likely. Most likely. <laughs> uh, and then um, uh, we'll, of course, cover um, their directing styles between Taika and um, Sam Raimi. I think that'll be a good discussion and uh, many more to come. All right, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.